0: Welcome to Keep It One Hundred podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Keep It One Hundred with Sean and Krista Smith.
0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? We're so excited you joined us. Keep your 100 Tribe. We love you guys.
1: You know, this week, we really wanted to have a conversation that was really apropos for the moment and the hour we're in. But before we jump into what I think is a really important conversation for today, we have a really fun announcement. And it's just really a reminder that we're doing Momentum, the conference 2024, which if you've not heard that, get on board for that. But I actually want to take a moment to plug our monthly gatherings. We only have two left for the rest of 2024 we Our next one is October 20th. And we're so expecting for this. We're calling this a night of healing. And if you live in the Bay Area, you know anyone that lives in the Bay Area, we want to encourage you to get in the room at Sequoia Community Church, 7 p.m. It's a free gathering. And we're really believing for God to touch people. We're believing for breakthrough. And we're just believing for the power of God to rule and reign. And so uh, we really want to invite people to come that need a touch, not just physically, but maybe emotional healing, some mental healing, just need a breakthrough in their life. We believe we serve the God who is our deliverer. We serve a God, the great physician. And so we just know he's in the room as we gather. And when that happens, people's lives get changed and bodies get healed. So we're coming in full of faith. We want to invite you to join us October 20th at Sequoia Community Church and be a part of our monthly momentum gathering. We're going to be having our large annual gathering in January. We'll be talking more about that. We're really excited about that, but we really want to hit these last two gatherings of 2020. 23 because we believe as we continue to contend for a move of God in the Bay Area, we're really beginning to see things open up and it's really exciting.
0: And you know, I think that's so important, Krista, because in Acts chapter 3, what broke the revival of the first century church wide open was a healing. The guy who was lame at the gate, beautiful. Peter and John said, look at us. It said, rise up and walk. And he walked. And we just really have felt that healing is going to be so significant to not only break an open, uh, just I believe a harvest for this generation that's emerging that needs that reference point, but I believe specifically for the bay, we need that guy at the gate, beautiful, to rise up on his feet. So we're we're asking God to come heal. So bring the sick, bring friends come and let's just experience God together. And so I'm so glad. October 20th, 7 o'clock, Oakland, California. It's a free event.
1: You know, we're just expected for what God's going to do. So we're excited to see you there with us. And so get your, get in your seat and invite your friend. And we're just excited for what God's going to do. You know, we're going to be having a conversation today. We all know there's a major conflict happening in Israel. And yet there's a lot of Christians and people in general that don't understand the significance of that. We're going to be speaking to you as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, one that says, you know, I love the word of God. I believe the word of God, but I think there's a lot of us that don't have an understanding Foley of why Israel is so significant. And so we wanted to do a snapshot approach, a really digestible approach for people to really have a biblical uh, understanding, a theological understanding on why Israel is so important. I'm going to be doing a bit of an interview with Sean, but before I begin to ask him some questions, I really just kind of want to set the current context as to even why we're having this conversation and why it's so important. In early October, war broke out between Israel and Hamas. The militant is Islamic group that's controlled Gaza since 2006. Hamas fighters fired rockets into Israel and stormed southern Israeli cities and towns across the border of the Gaza Strip, killing and injuring hundreds of soldiers and civilians and taking dozens of hostages. The attack took Israel by surprise. And though the state quickly mounted a deadly retaliatory operation, one day after the October 7th attack, the Israeli cabinet formally declared war against Hamas followed then by a directive from the defense minister to the Israeli Defense forces to carry out complete siege of Gaza So that's the background when we really begin to understand why are we having this conversation today it's because of what just took place on October 7th and what has ensued since the initial attack So to really break it down even farther and just give you a little bit more history so we're becoming more informed socially about what has happened and even the historical relationship between these nations. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict dates back to the end of the 19th century. In 1947, the United Nations adopted Resolution 181, known as the Partition Plan, which sought to divide the British mandate of Palestine into Arab and Jewish states. On May 14th, 1948, the state of Israel was then created, sparking the first Arab-Israeli war. The war ended in 1949 with Israel's victory, but then seven One hundred fifty thousand Palestinians were displaced and the territory was divided into three parts, the state of Israel, the West Bank of the Jordan river and the Gaza strip. So when we're understanding this is the historical background, there has been a tumultuous relationship between these nations for decades. So who in the world is Hamas then? Okay. So let me quickly break down that Hamas is actually an Islamic militant movement. And one of the Palestinian territories of two major political parties. It governs more than 2 million Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, but the group is actually best known for its armed resistance to Israel.
0: You know, Chris, that is so helpful because I think a lot of us don't understand the history and obviously this Israel-Palestinian kind of tug-of-war over it, it leaves a lot of us scratching our heads. But it's important for us to understand there are Palestinian Christians. Yes. There are Palestinian good, great people. Yes. Yes, And Hamas does not represent all of Palestine. We are familiar with some great friends of ours. uh, In particular, her parents have literally been forerunners in Iran with the great revival. So there's great moves of God taking place in both. So it's not even so much this thing of on a political war level, do you side here? Do you side there? It's understanding the bigger scheme really for what God has for Israel. And I'm so glad you're kind of giving us uh, that history, but yet there still begs the question, and I, I'm so glad that we're talking about this.
1: You know, and that and that's so good because there's people that love the Lord on both sides of this, right? And we're just trying to help people understand what does the Bible say, what's happened historically, and really just bring, I think, knowledge that's going to help people kind of understand the current conflict. And I think if anyone's been like me, right, you've kind of wondered why does the church place such an importance on standing with Israel? You hear, that all the time, like staying with Israel, we're praying with Israel, and you're like, why? Like, help me understand that. And that's really something we're going to try to do for the Keep It One Hundred Tribe today. Is we're going to try to help you understand what the Bible says about it. And you've probably even some seen uh, seen some believers that even maybe it seems a bit odd or um, kind of maybe bizarre, and you're like, why are you so aligned with Israel? And there's a love of Israel. There's a love of the Jewish culture, and it might seem a little bizarre. It might seem a little bit out of sorts. Um, rather than just showing allegiance to Israel without really knowing the why. It's important to get God's heart for Israel and to understand Israel's biblical importance, even to you and me as individuals. So that is really the backdrop. And I just think that's an important context and a background to really create for the listeners to understand this conversation that we're about to have. Sean, I have a question for you. Really, I think this starts off this very important conversation for what's happening right now. Explain to all of us, what is the importance of Israel?
0: Well, first of all, I just got to say there were several years back I went to Israel for the first time. And when I first went to Israel, I have to admit, I was largely ignorant of a lot of things as it relates to Israel. And I just thought, hey, I'm just going to love God. I'm going to walk, circumvent with scripture. I'm just going to like love my neighbor as myself. I'm just going to obey Jesus and I'm good. But when I got over there to Israel and I, I happened to go with a, a, a great minister in ministry that uh, ministers to there, I began to realize there was a whole lot more. So first of all, I just want to challenge any of our listeners that part of it is as Christians, you have to understand you have a different script to follow. I was seeing some people uh, in particular and they were kind of like uh, doing this thing. I think where uh, BLM where was kind of pro Palestinian. Let's do this. Let's do that. And people might say, Hey, you know, and out of sensitivity to different races, because BLM is kind of siding with the Palestinian Shaddai. And I think the bottom line is you have to first say, as Christians, you have a different script to follow. And the reason why standing with Israel matters so much, and we're going to give a lot of different quick hitters on this, But I think one of it is to understand that Jesus himself is going to step foot in the second coming in Jerusalem, in Israel. He's not going to come back uh, to the Bible belt in the United States of, of America, although we know by his spirit, he touches people there. He's not going to step foot in some sort of the largest church in the world, I think would probably be the Asian church. Uh, He's not going to set foot in places where we think he would. The Bible's pretty clear where he's going to place his foot, and he is going to actually reign physically over the globe from the focal point of Jerusalem. So even though right now you see this place dominated, boo, with strife and violence ever since the days of Abraham. We really should be concerned over this kind of, some would say, tiny speck of land because of that. But let's let's back up and talk about some other things. Number one, Israel's interactions with God is how we understand the character of God because the Bible of the Old Testament was the God of Israel. That's what he was known as. And so when you understand God's mercy, his righteousness, reliability, his faithfulness, we see his wrath, we see his love, we see his goodness, glory, and power— It was always demonstrated towards Israel. And so we see that the Old Testament of the Bible, which is an important part of Scripture, includes all these stories and prophecies related to the land of Israel. And the land of Israel is central, obviously, to the history of Jewish people. And the Bible contains it. Another obvious reason is, a hey, Jesus emerged from Israel. Prophets told that God would come down and he would be an Israelite whose lineage could be traced back directly through all these great patriarchs, uh, Abraham and that whole thing. And obviously, when I went to Jerusalem, Jerusalem as a city is obviously a city of immense religious significance. It's a place where Jesus was crucified. Obviously, he came up out of there. He was resurrected there. Uh, It is believed, obviously, to contain the tomb of Jesus. And obviously, like myself, a lot of people are able to go to Jerusalem and retrace the steps of Jesus. And when I was there, people say, what do you feel was so special about Israel? And I, I shared with people, Krista, that uh, I didn't know my dad as an adult to an adult. He was taken out of the picture when I was in grade school. But when I go to his hometown of Oklahoma, it brings me closer to my father to know that he walked these streets. He went to this mm. high school. Yeah. He played baseball at this field. Something else happened. And my relatives would tell me stories. So I'm able to feel closer to my earthly father by going to his homeland. So I think Jerusalem, as I went there, just had a significance is it caused me to feel closer to Jesus. But I want to say to you, why also put it back on you? Why do you think from your thought process that Israel is significant as well?
1: You know, I think I love this because I think it really focuses, it causes us to focus on God's covenant with Abraham yeah. and the primary and argu- arguably the most compelling reason why we should care about Israel is because of covenant yeah. and this irrevocable bond between two parties, in this case, between God and the descendants of Abraham, it's directly to relate it to you and I, mm-hmm. you know, God made covenant with his people, Israel, to make them a great nation and he would send them a savior you know, to rescue Israel from oppression. And that savior ushered in a new religion, Christianity. And Israel was no longer the sole recipient of God's grace and care, and yet Israel is still important to a full understanding of God and the Christian faith, which I think is really key for people to understand Facts. that God has chosen Israel for his treasured possession out of all of the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And we find that in Deuteronomy 14 too. Wow. We must get to know his beloved people for at least you know that reason, and the reason is of covenant, you know? Yes. So con- Consider Israel as a microcosm of all mankind. How God speaks, relates to, and deals with Israel is a pattern for how he speaks, relates to, and deals with the rest of the world. It really is a picture of who God is with all of us.
0: You know, it's so true. And I love that you say that. It is a microcosm because that's why the Old Testament has value to us because we see how God spoke to Israel. And we understand. I love that that covenant that he said to Abraham, he said, I will bless you and I will make your descendants a blessing. And the descendants of Abram uh, are is Israel. It is the Israelites. And in spite of the repeated fallings of Israel, I'm speaking of in terms of biblical context right now, there still remains a plan and a purpose for that nation. Just like despite the fallings in your life or my life, there still remains a plan and a purpose for each of us. And 2 Timothy says this, that our faithlessness does not nullify the faithfulness of God. Somebody said, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And really, the entire storyline of the Bible is about Israel. It's about faith. It's about covenant. And to understand, salvation came first for the Jews, Romans 1.16 and Romans 11.11. And thank God the Gentile church has been included. The verse uh, that we'll share later, but it talks about that we were engrafted in the vine. It includes the plans that God has for us as well as for Israel.
1: So question following that, because I think that's a great like baseline. What's another factor that should influence our opinion toward Israel?
0: You know, I think it really comes the fact that God chose Israel to be his people. So we have to agree with God's sovereign decision to really understand why words are important. I think you have to go back to the Garden of Eden when God made man and told him that he could eat anything but the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, after the disobedience, uh, the fall, God made a way for mankind to be reconciled to Himself. But God knew that the only way that man could be reconciled to himself, mankind, that is male and female, would be for him to do it himself. No man would be able to do it. So it must be God. So through Israel's seed, and you'll see that phrase over and over and over, God would raise someone who would crush the serpent's head, Satan. And he would sovereignly choose that seed that would come from the house of Abraham. That's Genesis 3.15. So you fast forward now to God's promise, what you were talking about, Krista. And it says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, God speaking to Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's now Genesis 12.3. And then God said, lift up your eyes and look for all the land which you see. I've given it to you and your descendants forever. But you got to understand, what has the devil tried to do? The devil throughout history has tried to annihilate Jewish people, Israel, so that Jesus cannot return. So you saw that all like Philistines would attack the Israelites, the the Moabites would attack, right? All these different groups because the enemy was trying to stop Jesus's birth, but he's now still doing it to stop Jesus's return. So it really puts a whole new perspective on things like the Holocaust during World War II and why did... Hitler gets so demon-possessed. And I know we're going deep for you guys listening, but you ever thought why, why did Hitler get so demonized that he wanted to perform a genocide against God's people? Why is there such hatred? You know, it's called anti-Semitism. And I believe it's just a tactic of the enemy to get us to devalue Israel's place in God's overall scheme of human history. You
1: know, and I love that you talked about Genesis 12, 3. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse you. And on all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And And I think that's a really important verse because the scripture really is telling us right there that if we bless Israel and her people, those blessings will be returned to us. So really, as we stand with Israel, we pray with Israel, we bless Israel, we're actually acting on scripture and we're aligning ourselves with what the word of God says, which is a powerful posture as a follower of Jesus. Right. And as we read in the Bible, those blessings are then going to be returned upon us. And we can't forget that Psalm 122, six says we're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So again, scripture really guides us in that posture of that God blesses those who bless Israel.
0: You know, I want to give just some some scriptures that I think will back it up. And one of the th- key things to note is that really biblical prophecy comes to life in Israel. Israel is mentioned in the Bible over 2,500 times It's all the stories, lessons, parables through scripture, and uh, there's different scriptures that talk about it. For instance, Zechariah 14, one through four says, the day of the Lord is coming Jerusalem when your possessions will be plundered, divided up within your walls. I will gather all nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. City will be captured, houses ransacked, uh, women raped, half the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be taken. But now verse three, then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights on a day of battle. And that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives will be split in two, east to west, forming a great valley with half the mountain moving north, half moving south. Obviously, these are prophetic passages that are speaking uh, towards Jesus's second return. Amos 9 14 and 15 says, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel. They shall rebuild, ruin cities, inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, drink the wine, they shall make gardens and eat fruit. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted of the land that I have given them, says the Lord. And of course, we know 1948 was the consolidation of the nation of Israel. And Amos 9 14 lets us know that God planted them there. It wasn't just their idea idea. idea to kind of all come together because Jewish people were dispersed all over in different nations. They didn't really have their own place. So for instance, maybe you'd have Russian Jews or you'd have Yugoslavian Jews, or you'd have American Jews and you have, but they actually had a place that they could call home. But the Bible says I'll plant them in their land. They'll never be uprooted out of the land. So if you're trying to uproot Israel out of their land, according to Amos 9, 14, and 15, you're you're fighting the Lord on this because God's doing just the opposite. Another scripture I think is important, Krista, is Jeremiah 30, but it just basically said the word of the Lord came uh, to Jeremiah. And he says, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, write in a book all the words I have spoken to you. For behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, while I will restore the fortunes of my people, Israel and Judah, says the Lord, I will bring them back to the land I gave their fathers. Mm. They shall take possession of it. Mm -hmm. And so here are all these different words and thoughts, but it's biblical prophecy being fulfilled that all of God's people will come home to Israel. So I believe part of it is supporting Israel and her people. I think it's an opportunity to take part in God rebuilding the things that he's promised. And then, of course, we have things like the early church emerged in the region of Israel, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the upper room was in Israel, the book of Acts. We understand that, all this stuff. And then ultimately, revelations— lets us know that there's going to be a heavenly Jerusalem. There's that name of that city. The holy city is the image of all of new creation, all of the aspiration of its people, where God will wipe away every tear. There'll be no more death, mourning, crying out in pain. Former waters passed away. So heavenly Jerusalem obviously is connected to earthly Jerusalem. So we have to understand there are things beyond our comprehension that as revelation unfolds, we're going to see the significance of that original covenant given to Abraham as it relates to that tiny sliver of land and the people.
1: Ooh, that is so good. So good. I think that's really going to help people really grasp why and what the word of God says. I I love that you took us through some scripture. So people are really getting a grasp for the word. You know, we've talked about how our affections for Israel plays in God's prophetic storyline, but how does that storyline continue on for us today?
0: Well, I think, you know, in Romans 11, Apostle Paul makes two amazing statements he speaks of Israel and he says, their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for Gentiles. How much more their fullness? Uh, this is in Romans 11 verse 12. And it goes on to say, for if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what would their acceptance be but life from death? So Paul is actually, I mean, this is deep. He's looking at Israel stumbling and casting a, away, but yet, and he's relating it to the riches of the Gentiles, but he's also looking to Israel's future fullness, and he foresees an even greater release for the world in quote unquote, Romans eleven fifteen, 15, life from death. So what's, when life comes after someone's die dies, it's called revival. Could it also mm. be that what God wants to do with natural Israel also connects to a revival for the church? Mm, you good. and I, I mean, we love revival. John Wesley yeah. says it like this. It was a revivalist. He says, so many prophecies refer to this grand event. And he's re- referring to this passage we just read out of Romans. That is surprising. Any Christian can doubt it, John Wesley said. He says, when it's accomplished, it will be so strong a demonstration both of the Old and New Testament revelation that would doubtless convince many it will release overflowing life to the world which was dead. This is John Wesley commenting on this. He's, he's doing a commentary on these verses, on these very verses, and he's saying That when this is accomplished, it's going to release overflowing life to the world, which was dead. So I believe maybe one of the strongest reasons why Israel should be important to us is there's a connection between what happens in that nation and revival spilling out to the church Abroad and
1: Well said. I love that you tied it to a revival narrative. I think that's so cool. And you really kind of see how that connects to today. You know, in terms of salvation, does Israel have an automatic end? I think a lot of people wonder that.
0: You know what? Uh, This is what we're going to keep in 100 and just be totally honest. No, Israel does not have an automatic end. You got to come through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think part of it is there there are two errors, as I would see it on both sides. And one of it is what's called dual covenant theology. And dual covenant theology is this unique holding that the new covenant only applies to non-Jews or Gentiles, while the Jews, the Mosaic covenant remains valid for them. So in other words, you just fulfill the law, do the best you can, and you'll get into heaven. And all you Gentiles and non-Jews, you got to come through the blood. Dual covenant theology is not accurate. There's this one covenant, there's one mediator between God and man, and the Bible actually challenges us that we should actually live our lives in such a way that would provoke the Bible says Israel or the Jews to jealousy. So why would our lifestyles as followers of Christ need to provoke Israel to jealousy so that their eyes would be open and see the Bible talks about one of the minor prophets, the one whom they have pierced. Why would he have to do that if Israel has an automatic end? And then it would really kind of make Jesus's death in, in vain in many of his words. So dual covenant theology is is wrong in saying that Israel has an automatic end. No, we need to pray for Israel that their eyes are open and to see that the Messiah has come, the one that their prophets have said about has come, Jesus. They have to look upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of their faith. But then there may be another error, and and this is kind of off the question, but it's replacement theology, and that's that the Gentile church has totally fulfilled all of God's intention so that Israel holds no significance. And I think a lot of people fall into that. It's like, hey, I I just read the Bible and everything just applies to me as a believer. None of it applies to Israel. And that means the church has replaced Israel completely. So I say those are two extremes. Like I'm not in the replacement theology and I don't think it's biblical and I'm not in dual covenant. And I think that someplace in between is this thing of God has prophetic words and, and a covenant with Israel. But at the end of the day, that covenant is about them waking up and God actually, and 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 we can see over and over again, He purposely brought the gospel to the Gentiles. And so, although originally Israel was God's chosen people, now we begin to realize it's His church. And so, I think that that is so important in understanding that. And it's 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 important because a, a pastor of one of the largest churches in our nation, with considerable influence among the younger generation, recently published a book explaining that the Old Testament is completely irrelevant and has been replaced with brand new teachings, morals, and ethics of Jesus. It's kind of almost that replacement uh, theology. First of all, he needs to understand scripture is a part of the Bible. uh, And in fact, the Old Testament is nearly 80% of the Christian Bible. So to ignore it and to not know it is to be ignorant of most of scriptures as as it relates. And so that is so important to understand that. And uh, you know, Paul said, let me throw this out. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in or been saved. So all of Israel will be saved, true Israelites, rather, uh, you know, ethnic or spiritual, of course. And the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Israel. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins, Romans eleven twenty five 25 through 27. So we can see. That this doesn't mean all of Israel will be saved. It doesn't mean the entire nation and all Israelites of all time, but those who come to believe in Jesus Christ. And we're going to see a mass revival amongst people of Israel finally recognize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And there's a whole movement of Messianic Jews. Yes. And their nation will finally accept him as the prophesied one.
1: I love that. It's very well said, because that's kind of a complex question. And I think that's hard for people to get their brain around. So I think I just love you kind of gave that bite-sized piece for people to kind of understand on a very digestible level. So with everything that's been said, you know, with everything that's happening with Israel and, and Hamas right now, you know, and the future of Israel, the question really is, where does that leave us today?
0: Well, there's one kind of theologian he wrote. I love this. He said, the Jewish people are going to have to be believers in Jesus as their Messiah in order to be rescued by him at the second coming. This is exactly what will happen. And he cites Ezekiel 20, uh, 33 through 38, which says, as I live, says the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm and with fury poured out, I will rule over you. I will bring you out from the peoples. I will gather you out of the countries where you're scattered with a mighty hand with an outstretched arm, with fury proud, I will bring you into the wilderness of peoples, and there I will plead my case to you face to face, just as I pled my case with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt. So will I plead my case with you, says the Lord. So God is going to uh, bring about this inward persuasion, convincing, sending forth a glorious witness. I believe that scales would fall from eyes in the very same way that Saul of Tarsus was this uh, particular Pharisee that was killing Christians and rounding them up, but the scales fell from his eyes. I think Saul of Tarsus, who was a uh, Roman citizen but Jewish, just as his eyes were open, I believe the Bible points again and again that that's going to happen on a mass scale. So go on now in verse 37 of Ezekiel 20. He says, I will make you pass under the rod, I will bring you into the rod of my covenant. I will purge rebels from you and those who transgress against me. I will bring them out of the country where they dwell, that they may not enter the land of Israel. Now here's the verse. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So although we're throwing a lot of scripture at you and that text is thick, it's dense. It's basically saying that God was going to bring them together as a nation, which he did. He's going to purge them. They're going to pass on the rod. They're going to be trials and tribulations. I believe it's probably the most war piece of territory on planet earth. But he says, I will bring you out. And he says, then you will know that I am the Lord. So this is just the future right here. And so I say, Christians, watch Israel closely, follow the messianic movement. That means messianic Christians or completed Jews, some would call it, because we're going to see this mighty move of God. It's going to signal the end times and it's going to be this incredible, I believe, firework of God's prophetic fulfillment. And at the end of the day, all who believe in Jesus for salvation are beloved of the Lord, and they're going to reap the fruit of God's promises to Israel and we can have confidence in God because He's always been faithful to His people. You know, I hope this has been helpful. Literally, they're theologians that spent their life to this kind of stuff, but we just want to set up some things for you to understand just how Israel is important. It's important. I'd say if you don't have anything else, what what can I just really submit to you? There's something you can immediately implement. Just pray for Israel. Pray for Palestinian believers. Pray for that strip of land. I think to say that you understand Israel's significance in God's. Uh, purposes doesn't mean by any means that you have to become an enemy of a a country that has other believers in. Really, the Hamas is a unique terroristic group, and their their intentions really, I think, could be traced back to Haman, and Haman wanting to wipe out the Jews in Esther's day. But if you notice what Esther did, and we all love Esther, but you understand, she stood up and she prayed that that obviously would be exposed and that wouldn't happen. And her cousin, Uncle Mordecai, said, hey, you were raised up for such of time is this. And so we want to believe for revival to happen in that part of the world. So just continually lift it up in prayer. Great
1: job, baby. That was not an easy topic. And I love that you are able just to break that down for everyone. For the Keep On Our Tribe, our hope and prayer is that you really gain some knowledge, some wisdom, some understanding of what currently is the social climate, but what's also the foundation biblically. It's important as a follower of Christ. Remember, if you live in the Bay Area, join us October 20th. We're having our uh, second to last gathering our monthly Momentum Night. Uh, it's Quay Community Church, 7 p.m. It is a night of healing, a night of breakthrough. Get in the room. God is going to encounter you. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100
0: podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends, and be sure to click that subscribe
1: button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms, and check us out at Christasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Christa Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how. How this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love and remember relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast.
1: Keep It 100.